This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the new relaunched Challenging Opinions podcast. Every Monday, I'll be bringing you brand new content, but as part of the relaunch, I'm including previous interviews in this feed, like this one with Vox Day. He's a prominent blogger on the alt-right. I hope you enjoy it. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. Make your view heard and get it included in the next show. Email your opinion to podcast at challengingopinions.com and we can discuss it in the next podcast. Vox Day is a very diverse blog. Day in this case is spelt D-A-Y, and if you don't know why I'm specifying that, then you don't need to know. But I have Vox on the telephone now who uh, writes the blog. Um, we were talking before recording about Sam Harris and Noam Chomsky. Uh, you said that you thought that Sam Harris was not a very good debater, Vox. No, I have to say that of all the public figures with whom I'm familiar uh, Sam Harris is reliably the worst debater that I have either read uh, or listened to. Uh, why? The reason is that he is almost—he's—he's a, he's a fundamentally sloppy thinker, and you know I, I exposed a number of his uh, careless mistakes uh, in the book that I published back in 2008 called *The Rational Atheist*. But what I noticed in numerous debates that he had, whether it was with John Derbyshire, with William Lane Craig, uh, with Noam Chomsky, is that uh, the debates are, are very seldom very interesting because they always follow the same format. And, and what that is, is uh, Harris makes a statement. His opponent points out an obvious flaw in that statement. And uh, Harris comes back and, and tries to claim, well, uh, that interpretation of his statement is not what he meant. And then the opponent usually points out something else that Harris has written that, that indicates that the first meaning was actually, uh, the first interpretation was actually correct and applicable. And this happens in... If you look at his various debates, this happens every single time. This, 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 so, is a, this is a, uh, a fallacy known as the no true Scotsman fallacy. I'll put a link uh, to that, um, to an explanation of that on the page uh, for the podcast. But one thing I think about Sam Harris is that it, without necessarily disagreeing with you, he does bring a debate to a, a popular audience. And I'm thinking in particular that you could very easily accuse an awful lot of people on the liberal uh, wing, on the left, of being too tolerant of fundamentalist uh, Islam. And there's no question that Sam Harris stands up to the intellectual inconsistencies uh, of some people uh, on the left, uh, notably um, noted philosophers like uh, Ben Affleck. But the, the, that, that tendency does exist and he does challenge it. Isn't that true? 
That's absolutely true. And in fact, I would actually go further and praise Sam Harris for biting the bullet and addressing one of the, the most important flaws um, of the atheist, secular, humanist uh, perspective, which is their uh, discomfort with the um, obvious difference between uh, should and, and what, you know, between what, what is and, and what could be. Mm-hmm. And now Harris was very unsuccessful in making the case um, in, in the moral landscape that it was possible to uh, scientifically derive should. Yeah, that was, he, he, was, he was trying to do what, what David Hume said could not be done, you know, to his credit that he was trying to do it. Now, he didn't accomplish it. Um, and frankly, I, I would have been absolutely astounded. Uh, I'd be astounded if anyone could do it, but I, I certainly wouldn't expect um, him to be able to do it. Uh, based on my familiarity with his his work and his capabilities, sure. But, isn't, isn't there isn't there but one? I give him credit for trying. Okay, isn't there one problem for the people who are uh, perhaps debating or opposing against uh, somebody like Sam Harris, in that somebody coming from a religious point of view has a philosophy, they have a world view, they have a reason why they think that their worldview is good for the world. So Catholics will think, you know, it's good for the world and it's good for people to be Catholics, Muslims, Hindus, Protestants, much the same. But if you're an atheist, you can absolutely consistently be an atheist and say, well, you know, maybe atheism is terrible for the world. I'm not arguing the philosophy. I'm arguing just a point of fact. And it doesn't matter whether that point of fact is good or bad. In fact, it's kind of independent of that. Well, that's exactly what my, the title of my book referred to when I talked about the irrational atheist, because most atheists are observably irrational in that regard. Oh, go on. And you have to explain that. Well, I mean, you've, you've stated the case yourself. The, the, the person that you're talking about, the person who says uh, the, the conclusions and the consequences of, of atheism are, are terrible, but it's a fact and I believe in it anyhow, that is a rational atheist. And very, very few people, very, very few atheists are willing to uh, accept the philosophical consequences of their tenets and of their beliefs. And it's actually, again, to the credit of the irrational atheist that they do reject the consequences and tenets of their beliefs um, because, you know, they, they do so because they're fundamentally good and decent people who are, are, uh, clinging to the, uh, to the moralities, to the philosophies of other philosophical systems while uh, asserting the tenets of, of a different one. And so there's always a, that's why one, it's, it's often very easy for a, you know, a Christian philosopher, a theistic philosopher, to uh, identify that gap and tear it apart when they're, when they're in a discussion with an atheist. Um, but that being said, there is a rational atheism, and it's called nihilism. You know, that is the, the philosophically consistent uh, application of, of atheism. Well, that, that, might be, that might be one philosophically uh, consistent uh, end point. But 
there are many millions, there have been perhaps since, uh, in, since historic times, billions of atheists, as there have been probably many more billions of Christians or Muslims or whatever. It would be very easy to find 10 or a thousand or even millions of poster boys for the evils of Christianity. And equally, it's easy to find very large numbers of very good people who are Christians. Isn't it likely that the same is true of atheists? Well, again, by what standard? I mean, you're absolutely correct. You know, from, in fact, from the Christian uh, philosophy, uh, it's very easy to find evil people by that standard. Uh, it includes all of us. You know, that hence the whole. Oh, no, you know, that's, all, a, that's, all a, all a, no, 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 that's, that's, a, there, for sure, nobody is perfect, but there is a spectrum, and that, the, the variation within that spectrum is very wide. Oh, of, of course, but I, I, but I'm saying that from a, um, you know, f- from the from the Christian philosophical perspective, you can't be just a little bit evil. You're, it's a very it's a very binary good or evil thing. Hence the whole the whole need for for uh, for Chris, uh, for Jesus Christ, etc. But we, you know, that's a, a side that's a tangent. Um, to return to to the point, um, when you're talking about good, when you're talking about evil, you're intrinsically bringing in a moral perspective. And the problem that you have, you know, that for the theist, uh, the, the moral question is very, very easy because um, it, it's basically what I summarize as God's game, God's rules. You know, the, really? The, the inventor of the game creates the rules, absolutely. But, well, if we then look to the Bible and see, for example, uh, instructions that a virgin, a young girl who is not a virgin on the night of her marriage should be stoned to death, uh, doesn't reason and logic and our conscience revolt against that? No, not at all. Reason doesn't doesn't, uh, revolt against it. In fact, I would argue quite the opposite based on many, many objective standards. Now, that's not, you know, I'm not Jewish. I don't subscribe to Jewish No, this law, isn't the Christian Bible. But no, that's, <laughs> no, that's part of the Old Testament. Yes, yes. There's a, differ- there's a difference between, between Jewish law and, and Christian law. Um, but, and it's also very important to make sure you understand that difference. But th- regardless, the point is that um, it doesn't matter what our feelings are. It doesn't matter what our conscience revolts against or not. The point is, is that that is a objective, unchanging standard that is laid out according to the, the according to the belief by, uh, you know, by this creator deity. So it's not something that is subject to, um, it's not a subjective standard, which changes depending upon, you know, what you say, what I say, etc. And that's the fundamental difference. That's the fundamental weakness of of uh, atheist attempts to construct morality, and that's precisely why Sam Harris wrote that book. Sam Harris accepts the argument that I'm making here. Sam Harris even echoes it because that's what he was attempting to solve. He was attempting to use science to justify what you were saying, that, that, uh, that conscience or whatever. He is trying to find an objective uh, standard to substitute for the subjective one. And like I said, he was unsuccessful. So far, nobody's done it. Well, he's been, uh, he might dispute that he's been unsuccessful, uh, but you... He, he, he might, he might, but absolutely nobody who has ever read that book and understood it did. And I don't, I don't even think that Sam Harris really believes that he accomplished that because let's face it, nobody cares. Okay. But to return to your point, um, isn't it true that 
the overwhelming proportion of people in the world have rejected religious rules when it becomes obvious that they either always were barbaric or that they are unsuitable? No, I wouldn't say so. I would say that the majority of the world population still uh, still fundamentally accepts uh, accepts what uh, we in the postmodern West would consider to be barbaric. Um, you know, it's a. I think that a lot of the uh, you know the whole notion of of moral progress is, in my opinion, fundamentally ridiculous, and uh, we might we might deem. Uh, we might deem one thing barbaric that uh, people that we consider to be barbarians um, look at other things that we do and, and consider them to be far worse. You know, we would consider it to be barbaric to walk up to somebody and, you know, chop his head off. And yet we have no problem with, you know, dropping a bomb and, and killing you know, tens of thousands of innocent people. Hold on a second. We do have a problem with it. And the governments that do that go to extensive lengths to disguise the extent and the way that they do that. Oh, but we don't fundamentally, we don't fundamentally have an, an issue with that. No, nobody has a, you know, the, the minute that the nation is, is. No, hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. If a prosecutor is trying to counter a an assertion that a defendant was not able to uh, tell right or wrong by reason of mental deficiency. The first thing the prosecutor will do will say, look at it, this guy made an effort to hide his actions, therefore he knew it was wrong. Uh, most governments, including the United States government, that do this type of barbaric bombing, they make great efforts to hide the extent to which they do it. Um, I, I don't see that. You know, I don't see the I don't see the uh, Chinese making any effort whatsoever to hide it when they when they drop bombs. The Soviet Union, the U.S. You know, we have we're, they send out drone strikes every day. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm aware you know, of that, and and it, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't bother 95 percent of Americans at all. Um, do you think that, for example, the American administration? is aware that one of the most uh, influential things during the Vietnam War period was the repeated photographs of coffins coming back to the United States. Um, in the more recent conflicts, uh, they have banned photography of those coffins. Oh, sure. They, they want to, I mean, obviously they want to portray things and sanitize things and, and, and not force people to realize the extent of, of what's going on. They don't want to, you know, people, people will react emotionally to things, but yeah, there, there's, there's not a, there are very, very few Americans who are unaware of, of what the USA is doing right now. Um, just as there's, you know, very few Syrians or uh, who are unaware of, of what their government's doing, not that they have any say in it. But the point is that, you know, we know what's going on and yet, the Kardashians are fundamentally more important to us. Um, deciding whether we should call Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, or Bruce is fundamentally more important to us than, you know, it's not like it's not like the American population is losing any sleep over the fact that the government is bombing people. Vox Day, we have to get onto the Kardashians eventually. I think every discussion eventually arrives at the Kardashians. Thank you very much for talking to me. You are welcome. Never miss a show. You can subscribe to the podcast for free using iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or any other podcast software or app. 
See challengingopinions.com backslash subscribe for details. I have links in the show notes for the Voxday blog and other references. Do you know someone who I should interview? What topics should I be covering? I'd really be interested in hearing your feedback. If you like the podcast, there's one thing that you could do that would really help other people to find it. Go on iTunes and give the podcast a rating and write a short review. There's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page. Also, please like the show on Facebook. On Twitter, you can follow the show at ChallengingO. You can also follow Vox Day at Vox Day. And most importantly, subscribe to the show for free. You can use iTunes if you're an Apple person or Google Play Music if you're on Android. There's links for both of those and the RSS feed if that's what you're into. You can find them all or get in touch with me at www.challengingopinions.com. On the next podcast, I'll have the left-wing economist, Dr. Robert Waldman. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening.